Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a nil-nil draw away at Leicester City on the Saturday. Of course, you guys are hearing this bright and early on the Monday morning, so hopefully everyone's doing much better than Villa are right now. But nonetheless, um, I'm sure we're all hoping that uh, Villa secure. I'm sure we're safe, but I hope it's a more comfortable end to the season but nonetheless it's not just me by myself because who wants to hear that we do have mr sebastian bacon and a special guest that used to be a regular more so than anybody mr neil dunworth as well so let's go to neil first neil how's it going for you things are great things are very good call delighted to be back on again and uh i don't know it's uh yeah we're going to be talking about a game i think that's really kind of split villa fans down the middle really um, with regards to some people thinking it was completely abject and other people thinking, well, maybe that's kind of the, the, the performance that we needed. So um, it's going to be an interesting one to trash out with you two guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's a stopping the rot edition of the whole cast more so than anything. And I think most people will agree with that. But Seb, how's it going for you, my friend? Yeah, it's nice to be back. Um, it seems as though it's been a while and it's quite nice to not have the worries of of hosting the episode, so I'll leave that down to you this time. I think I remember last time I was on one of these with you, I was just Sebastian Bacon and Danny Razzo got a sir, and I think I complained about it. But you know what? Being bumped up to a mister, that's that's not too bad. <laughs> We're making slow, steady progress here. In terms of Villa, I mean, well, what is there to say that hasn't already been said? The boys, the boys mentioned it. You know, we've we've put an end to our losing streak, but the search still continues for good solid performances and whether we'll be able to see that before the end of the season peters out now I'm not too sure Seb you're a young man that's grown up in front of my eyes so that's why you get a mister today um and yes. I also I also called you Simon's son on the last podcast as well so I, I think that insults I don't know who that insults but regardless of it um clearly you didn't listen to that so now my feelings are hurt but anyways Let's get into this nil-nil, of course. A nil-nil is never an exciting result, is it, Neil? But nonetheless, like we said, it, it, it stops the rot more so than anything, and that's the most important thing. We don't want to hit another five losses on the bounce in the same season. But more so to you, I want to spin it this way as well. Like I feel like when Steven Gerrard came in, of course, he mentioned he wants to have more possession and kind of dominate that way. But I feel like the wins that we've had under him and basically all season have been mostly when we don't have as much possession. So where do those kind of things sit with you in particular? That's actually a great point, Cole. And it's something that, you know, over on our own channel, we I, I, I cataloged all the games that we played um, under Steven Gerrard. But it's it's an interesting point that I I didn't put in my in my document, but. Yes, you're right. That like possession doesn't treat us well. We don't do well with possession. You know, you just have to go back to the Watford game, I suppose, the one that really springs to mind. 
we had a ton of possession against Watford. They beat us 1-0. And we didn't know what to do with it. Well, it's not that we didn't know what to do with it. It's just nothing went our way that way. And, and we were a bit powder puff. But um, in this game, we had, I think if I remember rightly, it was something like 36% possession. Leicester owned the ball. But we did way more with our 36% possession than Leicester did. Albeit we did have to do a small bit more, more defending. But... Leicester didn't ever look like they were going to cause us any problems in attack. And we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a couple of times when we did get opportunities to score. So we were, we were, we were, I, I think our, our possession stats in this game specifically are so low because we couldn't pass the ball, whether it was sideways, backwards, frontways, we just couldn't pass the ball to anyone. We had something like a 68% pass accuracy rate uh, in this game. And that killed our possession. And also kept Leicester in the game. So Leicester were poor. Don't get me wrong. We were we were really poor at passing the ball to this game. But we should have won this game, and we didn't. And I think that's why I'm a small a bit more disappointed about this. Albeit, I'm happy that we got a nil all draw and it keeps the points total ticking over in a time where we're looking at pretty much a lot of adversity within the Villa ranks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we look at the season in its entirety, we're looking at one where you you look at the wins losses and there probably shouldn't have been more wins and draws than anything. And it is a sense of frustration. And I know of course the general Villa fan base want us to be much higher, much more ambitious, but unfortunately this is the reality of where we are right now. So Seb, let's get you included in this because I mean, like I said, a nil nil is never exciting. You do learn some lessons, but when you look at the lineup we put out on Saturday, was there any surprises for you? A lot of being touted around about, some changes that the fans would quite like to make. Um, and I think the overall the overall reaction to the lineup was disappointment. I mean, you know, there's always going to be disappointment when a lineup's put out. You can't you can't please everyone. But um in the end, look looking at the positives, we got a clean sheet. That could be massive for our momentum, as well as Marvelous Nakamba got some minutes as well as um Tim, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at Tim because I'm gonna butcher his last name, the youngster Tim. Um, so those again are two two massive positives to come out of the game, as well as stopping our rot. Like I said, I, I had a look earlier and I couldn't quite believe it when I saw it. But we've we've won four of our last fifteen matches in the Premier League. So to get a draw away from home and to give us an advantage with some favourable fix fixtures coming up to be able to kick on and end our season in a slightly more satisfying way from a fan's point of view, then, you know, there's always positives to be had. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that as well. And I mean, I I sit back and look at it and I mean, this happens in any sport. It it doesn't matter. Of course, there'll be arguments between teammates and sometimes it'll be caught, uh, caught by a camera and most times it probably won't be. And maybe, of course, I would expect Emmy Martinez to communicate with his back line as much as possible. We know him to be that kind of goalkeeper and figurehead for this team. I found it very interesting, Neil, and maybe this is just something the cameras caught for really the first time, or maybe I'm noticing it. I don't know if you did, but I noticed a lot of miscommunication between the likes of Mings and Martinez and really just Martinez in the back line in particular. And of course, you can kind of attribute that to Leicester's high press at times. But if you did catch that, do you think that's a kind of area of concern? Because for me, I just thought, you know what, this is the real sign of a team that's just 
they're struggling. I mean, I don't really know what other word you could say. I don't think there's too much more in it than what you just said, Cole. Really, for, for me, uh, I I often use the term like a lot of people say this is a must win fixture. Um, I'm more of a fan of this is a must not lose fixture for Aston Villa at the moment. And I always felt that this was going to be a must not lose fixture. And, and you know, the players don't want to lose. I, I don't think the players want to be like you don't want to be a player in a team, no matter how well you're thought of, like an Emmy Martinez or, or Tyrone Mings or even an Ezri Kanza as well. You don't want to be known as somebody who's gotten two managers sacked, uh, you know, in such a short space, space of time. So the players would have been feeling the pressure, I think, when they went out in that field. Um, it was an away game against Leicester. And um, whether the communication was right or whether it was wrong, I think this, uh, I, I think the back four, maybe maybe it was a case whereby they looked for more communication and were only noticing it because they were communicating more. Um, I, do, I don't know what the situation was, but for me, I don't think I would uh, read too much into it. I think it was a group of players that knew that, listen, you know, Burnley are after getting a win. I know we're not. Re- I, I personally don't think we're going to get dragged into the relegation battle, but the players would have to believe that anything is possible, given that they were on a four-game losing streak, and also previously a five-game losing streak had lost them a manager that they really liked. Um, you know, it was apparent that they really liked him. That's not to say they don't really like Stephen Gerrard, because I'm sure they really do. Um, but they really liked Dean Smith, and it was somebody that kind of um, gave them a lot of growth as a team and players and personally and so on. Gave a lot of them their big breaks. Um, so I think there was, there's always going to be that in the back of people's minds, but, but realistically, I think what it was is that they, they just, they knew they needed to get something out of this game and they didn't want to be sucker punched because, you know, I think that they would feel that a lot of the games we've played recently, we've been sucker punched because of individual errors and, uh, and they probably just didn't want to, um, they didn't want to see that happen again. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it is one of those things, like I said before, that it might be missed sometimes more so than other. You might read into it more so than others do as well. And it's, I think it's just a sign for me of probably low on confidence more so than anything, than anything personal. And I think it is a tight group and it's just not clicking for whatever reason, or I guess dozens of reasons it feels like that we can probably all make up in our head, but Seb throwing it back your way. I mean, we sit here and we look at Villa right now and that performance yesterday and a point is a point. It's a clean sheet. So we have to look at it from that perspective, but let's just get the, I don't like throwing players under the bus too much. I think you can do it with some respect and then it gets a little ridiculous. Well, let's talk about Leon Bailey right now. <laughs> I mean, we might as well, cause I feel like that was the name on everyone's lips yesterday. What did you make of his performance yesterday more so? And I guess, is it, too harsh to still be a bit of a critic. I mean, the guy's been injured for most of the season. He's really hasn't had that much consistency in terms of active game time. So do you think it's just the scenario of rust or is it more to that? Underwhelming is how I'd, I'd describe his performance. Um, look, he's he's been given a chance in the team, which is what he's been crying out for since since his injury and since he joined, really. And he just didn't feel as though he was able to take it by the scruff of the neck. Yesterday was a chance for him to put out a statement almost and say, look, there's a lot of rumours about a squad overhaul this summer, but I am here and I'm, I want to be a part of Aston Villa moving forward and I am good enough to be a part of Aston Villa moving forward. But I think he struggled yesterday and look, he's he's never going to hit the ground running straight away. So... I think we all need to tamper our expectations slightly. 
you know, are we comparing Leon Bailey to what we need in this team? Are we comparing him to what we'd expect Jack Grealish to do because he was brought in as a replacement? What are we expecting from Leon Bailey here? And I expected slightly more, I can't lie. But look, injuries have halted him and, you know, it it has been a really setback season, but you know, anything can happen in the summer. And if he if he ends up staying on, then I can still see him being an integral part of the squad moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and really at this point, if you're looking from a number standpoint, um, if you try to get rid of him in the summer, you're probably taking a massive hit more so than any time. So there's that to be considered as well. But Neil, where does Leon Bailey really sit with you this season? I know it's a sense of frustration for... I wouldn't say most, but at least some Villa fans, some are more patient than others. But where does he sit with you? There has to be something in Leon Bailey. There has to be something in him that we can unlock. Um, like that that chance he missed early on was not a like that's a, that. If a striker comes on to that, I think they put it in the back of net. But still, a winger that's you know that's as highly thought of or was before he joined Aston Villa as Leon Bailey. And um, let's not forget, Leon Bailey was really highly thought of on the continent. Um, he had, you know, Leverkusen fans were, you know, they, they didn't want to lose him. You know, there's a reason why a team pays 30 million for somebody. It's not like we got caught with our pants down. Realistically, the scouting was done. Scouting saw what the scouting saw and he's come in, he's been injured. But you talk about low, low on confidence. You know, the team, he's coming into a team low on confidence. Potentially, he was being asked to play in a position whereby, you know, in a number 10 position, I don't know whether, what, what the... How many games he's played there? I've I've never actually looked it up. He, like he's predominantly been a winger, um, during his whole career. But he misses that chance early on. And Stephen Gerrard had made a comment in the pre-match conference uh, press conference, whereby he more or less name-checked the three guys that were brought in to to replace Jack Grealish and said that they haven't they haven't hit the ground running. They haven't fired yet. And then Leon Bailey was the only one of those three to get a game. Or to, to get a start, you know, when he misses that chance, uh, he, he knows, like, he, he knows what was said in the press conference. And potentially, look, he may not be here after the summer. Maybe he wants to move himself. You know, maybe the Premier League isn't for him. But it's really frustrating, as you said, and you use the word frustrating. And I think that what's more frustrating about that is that, look, every player deserves a chance to, to kind of build, build a way into the season. Every time he's been half decent, he's gotten injured. It's taken him a long time to come back from injury. But the frustrating part is we may never see the best of Leon Bailey in an Aston Villa shirt. And I know if he goes back into the back to the continent, he's going to play well somewhere. But we may not have the time to give him um, based on the one where our owners want this to be, based on the money that we've spent on him and what we're going to spend, I would hope, coming up in the, in the, in the summer transfer window. So, you know, it might be a case whereby we don't have enough chairs for people to give them chance to a chance to resurrect themselves. And unfortunately, I think he he may be a casualty, maybe not in the, in, the, in this summer transfer window coming. But, you know, I, I don't think we he, he could be one that we look back on and go, wow, another wasted, another wasted transfer, which was unfortunate because like the club did nothing wrong by signing him. They signed the right player at the right time for the right money. I think it's just not working out for him at the moment. Um, and uh, I would I for one hope he does turn it around over the next seven games and he gets an opportunity to do so. And uh, I think that he's uh, he's going to get my support anyway because there's no point in you know 
firing grenades at players uh, left, right and centre here over the next seven games because it's not really going to achieve anything other than make me feel bad about it. You know, as in if I start getting getting angry at players, I get angry enough at, at football as it is. I don't need to start throwing, throwing my personal like or dislike for players into it, specifically when they play for my own team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you want to be frustrated, just be frustrated at the fact that we seem to love wingers that get injured. Um, I guess you could yeah. shout out to Bertrand Troyer as well, there, um, who's injured again. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I'm sure we'll discuss him at some point in the summer because um, I feel like we probably won't see him for the rest of the season at this point in time. But Seb, let's talk about Felipe Coutinho for a, a moment here. I mean... I feel bad for him in the sense that you know what you're going to get from him. He needs more support around him to succeed. And for me, he needs to be more in the middle of the field to really do well. And yesterday, I just felt a lot of the times he was forced out to the left more so than anything. And really, when you're around players that aren't making runs to support your movement, it doesn't always help, of course. But when you look at him and then you look at, I mean, when D only came on for what was it like 10 minutes or something like that. So the kind of basis of an, a sample size is very slow, but what did you make of Coutinho's performance yesterday? And I guess the question we're all wondering, what the hell does Emmy Buendia have to do to get back in this team? I mean, I'll touch on Emmy Buendia later because <laughs> I feel quite strongly about that, but you mentioned, you mentioned about how to get Coutinho to play his best football. Look, we have the manager probably best suited out of any manager in the world to know how to get the best out of Philippe Coutinho. I believe that, you know, Gerard will know what he wants from Coutinho. It's a question perhaps of whether we're sacrificing his best position because we're just not strong enough in other areas that we need him to cover places that he shouldn't really be covering on the pitch. But, you know, at the end of the day, Philippe Coutinho is Philippe Coutinho and there's a lot of rumours about whether it would be best for us to sign him in the summer, blah, blah, blah. Look, that will all that will all come to fruition in the summer. I'm, I'm not worried about that yet. The whole purpose of a loan deal is to understand how the player works, how he fits in at the club and what he can offer us. And so far, he's probably offered us about what I'd have expected when I first saw him join. I think maybe people's expectations perhaps raised from his blockbuster start, if you want to call it. You know, he he exceeded everyone's expectations so far. He had other fans of other clubs worried about him, talking about him. You know, his name was on everyone's lips. Philippe Coutinho was back in the Premier League and, you know, he looked as though he was taking it by storm. But if the club is going to have a dip in form, then that means the players are going to have a dip in form with it. And Philippe Coutinho has been one of them that has dipped in form with the team. So, you know, there's got to be a collective responsibility there that all players have to take if we're not performing as we should do on the pitch. Do I still think there's more of him to come? Yes, do I still think we've seen the best of him yet? No. You know, enjoy him while he's here. If it lasts, then if he signs permanently, brilliant. We've got a player at our football club that is a household name that will attract new players. And if we can get him playing, brilliant. If he doesn't sign, then, you know, it was a, it was a small-time love affair that didn't quite go to plan. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it either way. Regardless of that, I guess we have to live in the moment for that. But uh, 
Neil, I mean, we've discussed this on previous podcasts, probably I think the last time, maybe a month or so ago. And of course, Villa have had a few gaps in the schedule, whether it be international breaks or because of games being called out on the off in the past and other games have to be made up soon. Of course, we still haven't played Burnley at all this season, which feels very weird. But when you look at a player like Felipe Coutinho, who has really barely played in the last few seasons, and now he's playing week in and week out for us, do you think there's a little bit of fatigue playing in it all there? I mean, maybe not even fatigue on the body as well, but on the mind. I mean, he looks as sharp as ever at times, and I'm not saying he hasn't been quality, but it is a lot of minutes, like I said before, for someone who hasn't played much football for the last, what, two or three seasons, really. Fair point. Fair point to make. Um I think that um, I think Philippe Coutinho is probably suffering from not having a striker, uh, a good striker. Um, I'm going to say it. we've got Ollie Watkins took four shots in this game yesterday. Ollie Watkins shot conversion rate ain't good at the moment. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people are talking about. We spoke about it with, with, with Leon Bailey uh with Leon Bailey earlier, yes, Ali Watkins is a top scorer. He's top scorer since Steven Gerrard came in. I think he's six goals and he's eight goals in total this season. But, you know, you give Ali Watkins two one-on-ones in a game, that mightn't be enough for him to score. Uh, so so I, I think sometimes with Coutinho, Coutinho goes missing in games. That's fair enough, you know. And, and uh, like against Spurs in that first half, he was absolutely majestic. He was brilliant. He... You know, when we were creating chances, he was doing brilliant stuff with the ball. He was able to get a pattern of play. And what I'm trying to say here is that he's a bit of a, he's, he's a, he's a, what you call it, a, a tempo player. So like he needs to, he, you need to, you need to feed him a lot of the ball. And if he isn't getting the ball or if he doesn't bring, bring himself up to a tempo and play himself into a game, specifically at his, I suppose, with his age at the moment, that's not going to work. And where does that tie in with the Ollie Watkins thing? You know, he's not able, he, sometimes he's not in a position to slide a true ball through to Ollie Watkins because maybe Watkins is after chasing the ball down on the other side of the field. And sometimes I think Watkins' industry up there can be a bit of a, a hindrance for himself. He got around the field, he, he, he played, he played really well, uh, Ollie Watkins, except for his core duty and his category number one in his role, which is put the ball in the back of the net, you know. Um, like, and I think it hinders players like Philippe Coutinho. Because there's just not that ability to be able to, to you know, get the ball, play a quick pass. And sometimes if he does play a quick pass, nobody's there. So I, do, I, I want to stay away from the whole, he's maybe not playing on the same wavelength as other players, because I think he is. And we've seen it against Leeds. We've seen it against, uh, we've seen it against uh, Southampton. We've seen it against, against Spurs. But I think at times, specifically in a game like this, when, when Mendy and, and, and Tielemans were, were kind of covering off that area, and he did have to go wide, as, as as Seb said earlier on. It almost forced Jacob Ramsey to come into the game more because he just drifted out of it, Coutinho did. And, you know, that's that's something that I, I, I think we've seen happen a couple of times this season. And I'd love to know why. And I, to be honest with you, I think the fact that the link-up player with a, with, a, with a proper striker isn't isn't there at the moment, himself and Watkins. There is no link-up player really between the two of them at the moment. And I think that that's probably a hindrance for, for Philippe Coutinho uh, uh, as well. But time will tell. I think the next seven games will be interesting to see what the story is there. But uh, yeah, he's blowing hot and cold at the moment. I still want to sign him. But I think that I think it, it could be an issue as well more with, with how, we're, 
how we're transitioning through and and the fact that we're we're not really able to get any interplay between our strikers and it's really a case of get the ball to the striker as the last pass and let him try and finish it but I don't think Watkins is that guy at the moment so it's it's just a kind of catch-22 where we are absolutely all valid points and like you said at the very start of the podcast Neil I mean it doesn't really help when <laughs> no one around him can really pass either like the I think you said the pass percentage something was like 63 mm. percent yeah. odd or something ridiculous which I mean for a, a, a team in the style that Jared wants to play it just doesn't really work but nonetheless like we said a draw is a draw but Seb let's be positive here for a moment I'm I mean we might as well be it's it's no fun being all damper and gloomy for uh at least half an hour odd or however long this will be. I think the one player for me that I was really impressed with yesterday and I was really pleased to see step up was Ashley Young. Of course, Luca Dean is injured. I don't know if it's for the rest of the season, whatever that's going to happen. If they're just going to decide to shut him down at some point, we'll have to wait and see. But what did you make of his performance yesterday? Because for me, I thought... He was probably one of the standouts. And I mean, it's not hard to stand out right now on this Villa side, but what did you make of his performance? I thought he put in a performance that you'd hope to expect from a professional coming into the side. Look, a man of his age and experience, you'd like to think that he would be consistent in his performances, whether that not be the most amount of game time. He has come in and he has performed as I'd expect him to. He's He's been a leader on the pitch. You can see that at times. You know, he's often one to get our players fired up. If we're losing momentum, he'll happily take a challenge, take a yellow card, start an argument on the pitch. And I think that's someone we've missed in recent years. But look, Ashley Young is Ashley Young, isn't he? And um, I, th- I think he did... I think he did what we'd all hope for him to do. It it certainly helped our clean sheet chances, him coming in. Um, but my my worries about Dinya and my concerns are that he doesn't live up to expectations. You know, that's this is what his third injury now, and he's been here four months. So obviously that's gonna be a concern. But Again, with most of our players, if he can get a preseason under Gerard's belt and he can get firing again, then I believe he's one of the best left backs in the league. So, you know, only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, it's a wait and see thing with uh, Luca Dean as well. And of course, I mean, it'll be interesting for me to see if Ashley Young does, in fact, stick around for another season. I mean, at least what Gerard is saying, all points are kind of leading that way. But um Anyways, guys, let's get over to the three word reviews over on Twitter. I think there's something like 83 of them for a nil-nil draw. So thank you very much, everyone, for the support and for interacting. Of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to Holt. So I'll just go through a few of them now and have actually spent the time to read most of them and actually pick out ones that aren't going to get me in trouble. So let's uh, do that right now, shall we? We'll start with Rob G saying need summer transfers. Simon Parker says it's a start. Uh, Dave DeGurnier will take that. Uh, Nigel WV, we didn't lose. Um, I'll take that every day of the week. Daniel Delaney, well played Tim. John C beats losing again. Let's scroll all the way down to the bottom to hear some from some of you guys. Will Davies start Emmy Buendia. Uh, let's go to... Karen Drew, not the worst. And we'll do two more here. So solid Carew, an acceptable point. 
And let's finish with uh, Sam saying Buendia must start. So I, I think that's how many Villa fans are feeling right as of now. But anyways, let's get over to the man of the matches slash match ball awards. Um, this is probably a really tough one for a nil nil with not many shots for either side and not too much action to really speak about. But uh, Neil, I'm going to throw you under the uh, the bus right now. Who would your man of the match be if at all possible? You guys mentioned him, Ashley Young. Um. I'm I, I have been probably the most vocal uh, skeptic of Ashley Young playing in playing at left back. Uh, if anybody has ever listened to our podcast or me on the Villa View, I'm I'm I don't like the idea. I don't like the amount of minutes we've seen from Ashley Young at left back. Um, uh, but look, as I said, and I've always said, I said that doesn't mean I don't want him to go out and beat 10 out of 10 every game. I absolutely do because I don't dislike any player that we play. I just look that plays for our team. I just, you know, I, I feel that we need to have a better backup left back. That, that's just it. But saying that, Ashley Young went out at left back and I thought he played a really good game. Thought he took a bit of a kick in. He put his body in the way of things. You know, there was twice, I think, during the game that Ben Christine had to, had to warm up because potentially Ashley Young had to be taken off. But he soldiered on. He marshaled... Um, he matched a very difficult area of the field, an area of the field that that uh, that Leicester like to exploit. And yeah, I, I I think that you know for the battles that he had up there with James Madison at times, um, Dewsbury Hall moved over there at, at times as well. And and they're really they're really kind of they really kind of tried to break down that wing wing as well. Um, yeah, Ashley Young for me, I think was uh, was our player again. Fair enough. Before I go over to Seb, I'm just gonna say I. I think Ashley Young is the man of the match as well. And I'm not just copying Neil. I actually put that as their uh, man of the match on the player ratings on the 7,500 Holt website yesterday. So if you want to look at the timestamp, I'm not lying and go show that some love. If you feel the desire, I guess, really to do so. But Seb, if you're going to make it a a three for three, take it away. If not, then I'm an idiot. So go ahead. Do I get to grab the match ball? Because I've just made it a hat trick. Ashley Young for me as well. (laughs) Any reason why, or is is as simple as that? I mean, look, Neil Neil summed it up to a T. Really, I don't think I can probably add any more than he already said. He's stole the words right out my mouth. Fair enough. I still want to see an Ashley Young screamer before his time is up at Villa again. I just want to see one or in the back of the net. Or a tapping. I'll take or, a tapping. Or a tapping. I'm still waiting for an a canvas screamer as well. I thought it almost happened, I think, last season, and it didn't happen. Um, so there's many things that uh, may happen before those two things happen. So I don't know. When pigs fly, maybe, is the best expression. But um, before we wrap things up, guys, because I, guys, I, I do want to make this a, a quicker podcast. I mean, it is a nil-nil. Um, I don't think we need to go full uh, Sky Sports an hour analysis into this kind of thing. But um, I, I guess the best way to maybe finish this one confidently, because I don't think we're in any real danger with some of the fixtures we do have coming up. So, Seb, I'll throw you under the bus first. What position do you think we'll finish in at the end of the season? Probably unlucky for some, but 13th. Um, I think that's probably a way around where we deserve to be finishing this season um any higher and i think i'd be i'd be kidding myself but with the run that we've got coming up i would certainly like us to be pushing above that um you know i i think we'll be safe i think we'll be fine i'm not 
particularly worried about that. Maybe ask me that after we've played Burnley twice and Norwich at home. Um, but if if we're not if we're not hundred percent safe by then, then I might start to get worried. But look, I think we're we're shy of top half this season. I don't think I'm I'm surprising anyone there by saying that. Um, and I don't think we're low enough on points to get dragged into a battle. So it's just about making sure that we're we're not on the beach for the remaining games, which we have looked like we are in some aspects in the last recent games. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably see more teams on the beach here very, very soon. But Neil, where are we finishing come the end of the season? Captain Positivity strikes again. We're going to finish <laughs> 11th. I have us, I have us gaining ten points at the end of the between now and the end of the season, um, and that's just the way I like to live my life with all the rainbows, sunshine, and and everything else. But I think eleventh. I think look, we've got two games in hand. We've got two games in hand on Southampton. We've two games in hand on Brentford, Brighton, um, and we've played the same amount of games as Crystal Palace and Leicester, and they're all the teams that are above us. Leicester being in tenth position. Uh, the teams below us have all either played more games or the same amount of games as us. Somehow Burnley have played more games than us, yet they were like a bazillion games behind at one stage. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think, I think we're gonna we're gonna pull a couple of performances out of the, out of the sky before the end of the season. I think this team can't afford to be on the beach from a couple of reasons because there's players here that like new managers come in and now he's got a chance to sell them. And I think that uh, I think that that's going to be interesting. So yeah, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say eleventh, bit of stagnation because that's where we finished last season. Um, but uh, I, I, I look, you know, if you were to tell me we were going to beat Burnley twice, we're going to beat Norwich, we're going to get a point away Crystal Palace, and I said exactly that sequence to you guys before the, before the podcast. We're streaky. We can go on runs. We can go on good runs. We can go on bad runs. And look, I'm just hoping we go on some good runs before the end of the season and we finish up with what 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 was that, ten points? Wishful thinking, I know, but hey, that's the way I wake up in the morning. Well, fair enough. It's better to be positive than a pessimist, anyways. But um, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go right and smack dab in the middle of you guys. I'm gonna go twelfth. I just think when I'm looking at other teams around us and their schedules, like I think what leads the schedule isn't very good. Um, I'm not even gonna talk about mm-hmm. the teams below that because I think they're in their own battle. Um, still not really sure what to make of Palace. Southampton are amazing one moment and an absolutely terrible the next. And I think Brentford might dip down a little bit more. And I mean, you can go up from there. But yeah, I will go for 12th. But it's mental to think where or how many points we got last season because we'd probably be, I don't know, based on last year's form and where everything was going at that point, we'd probably be like eighth or ninth right now. So it just shows you kind of how mental last season was in terms of a lot of teams maybe overachieving or just kind of the, I guess, bottom five or six being more terrible than usual. So anyways, it is what it is. But uh, anyways, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. But before we do, Neil, of course, everyone's heard of you. But if they haven't, give yourself a shout out. Why not? Thanks very much, Cole. Yeah, you can catch me on For the Love of Paul McGrath. Uh, you can get us on at Love McGrath Pod on Twitter. And um, we've got uh, we're doing an awful lot of stuff through YouTube. We've got loads of stuff coming up with regards to the transfer market. So, you know, if you uh, aren't already subscribed on YouTube, we really, really appreciate to have you on board after you listen to the whole cast. That is. And um, so that's uh, for the love of Paul McGrath podcast. Yeah, we'd be delighted to chat to you. 
Brilliant. Well, thanks for coming on again. Of course, Seb, thanks for being available. And I'm glad you didn't get stuck on a train this time. So it's good to see you're alive and well and not stressed out, stuck in the middle of nowhere. But anyways, of course, if you're listening to this and you're new to the podcast or you've been listening for a good while and really haven't decided if you want to follow subscribe follow like it you know what it it makes it easier for others to follow us um i guess share the the word good word around that we're still alive and well and yes it's negative times for villa you know what we'd all love for them to be doing better but nonetheless all us villa loving content creators are still here we're still chatting and we're still optimistic about the future so Let's leave it that way. But anyways, we should be back hopefully before the Norwich game for a little bit of a preview for the homecoming of Dean Smith. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget uh, the Villa. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.